It's safe to say that the world has been interrupted. Several weeks ago, the New York Times did a story that they titled The Great Empty. And it was an article that was remarkable in not so much the story in itself, but the visuals. And the visuals that it brought forth, the pictures that were taken, uh, were of a world interrupted. In the middle of a world interrupted, it's appropriate that we remember the things that haven't been interrupted, the things that have never changed, the things that continue no matter what, the things that are consistent in all things. We, the risen church, serving a risen Lord, remember that despite the chaos in the world, there are some things that have not been interrupted, and those things we do well to remember. The story, as I said, goes on to talk about the ways in which COVID-19, the coronavirus, has brought our world to a grinding halt. There's a major transportation hub in the heart of New York. Uh, Always, always, no matter what time, day or night, brimming with people. It's called the Oculus. The Oculus was nearly empty. This major transit hub where people coming and going and connecting, uh, going from one end of the city to the other, now empty. The Americana in Orange, New Jersey, West Orange, New Jersey, uh, a, a hustling, busy diner that's often full of people. It's a, it's a, it's a, a monument, a testament. It's a, it's a mark of uh, freedom, and and it's empty, doing only takeout and carry out orders, it's not the same. It's been interrupted. Santa Monica, California, maybe some of you have been there. You'll know, Especially when the weather is nice, uh, that the beaches are always full. The beaches are not full in Santa Monica, California. Although the ocean is unchanging, the beach is barely recognizable. Just a single person, you can barely see them in the midst of it. A world interrupted. You see, it's not just in our nation, it's not just in our country, it's all over the world. Here's a a picture from Venezuela, the second day of the national quarantine, a, a city square that's normally full of people of all types, no longer there, confined to their homes. A world interrupted. A world Empty. In Sydney, Australia, the uh, landmark uh, Sydney Opera House, uh, a picture of it at sunset, which is prime time for picture taking and for selfies, for Instagram, uh, all of that, uh, looks a little different these days. It's empty at the Sydney Opera House. As London, England, in the middle of rush hour, Looks a little different, looks a little less rushed, looks a lot more interrupted and a whole lot empty. A Tokyo airport, normally full of travelers going all over the world, now empty as well. 
the, the world interruption has affected us nationally. It's, it's affected us across the world. Even here at Northside, I, I think they can give you a, a live shot. But, but here on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, a Sunday that's normally jam-packed, I mean, pew edge to pew edge, and sometimes overflow seating in the back, is now mostly empty. We've got a few of our singers here, and we have a few of extra, a few extra guests that I guess didn't hear Governor Kelly's mandate, <laughs> but uh, someone came in. I don't know who this uh, humorous soul was, but I know that they have a lot of joy. I mean, you can't see this in the wide shot, but if you clo- get a close-up shot, you can see uh, we have a few extra puppeteers in our midst, and I appreciate that <laughs> because uh, it reminds me that though I can't see you, I know you're out there, and I dearly miss you, and I look forward to the Sunday when we can all uh, gather together again, and I realize we're gathering together, and it looks a little different, and that's, that's okay, but I sincerely miss handshakes and hugs and smiles, laughter, praying with you, crying babies. Um, I miss all of the noise and the, the commotion and the laughter and the conversations that happen when we meet together. And I know you all feel the same way. I mean, Northside's blessed because we can provide things online and we've got tons of, of Zoom classes and pre-recorded things that are available to you and I hope you're taking advantage of those. But if you're like me, I'm getting a little zoomed out. I'm getting a little, I don't know, it's not that it's not good, but it's all two-dimensional. And I'm, I'm missing the three-dimensional aspect of that. Do you know that we will, we will have that again? It will happen. I don't know when it will happen, but it will. And that first Sunday back, that will be a fantastic day together. And we will worship in a way like we have probably never worshipped before as all of God's singers gather together. And, and I'm so thankful to all the, the singers that have been joining us so that you all can have and hear the congregational singing without the congregation. I, I know that that's been a huge blessing and several of, of our folks have messaged me and, and to, just to tell me how much they appreciate the singing. So to all of you singers, thank you for contributing to that so that all of our families can worship from where they are. There was another world that was interrupted. Another world that had been thrown into chaos. A group of people that had been completely overtaken by something they didn't expect. 2,000 years ago, there was a different kind of great empty. It was uh, not just a, a world interruption. It was a holy disruption. Something that changed everything behind it, everything of that day and everything after it. It's the key event. I was sharing with my children this morning after they were opening their candy and they were we were sharing our family Easter tradition together. We talked about why Easter makes Christianity different. All the other world religions, their founders, their leaders, are, are dead. In a tomb somewhere. Buried somewhere. 
But Christianity is different. In that that we worship a risen Lord, a risen Savior. That tomb that was empty then is still empty today. Nobody found nobody. And that's why we have the hope that we have. And as we think about how the, the resurrection impacts our lives, I want to take you to John chapter 20. And I hope you'll open your Bibles on your phone, on your iPad. Paper Bible is what I have this morning. However, you can follow us and, and join along with us as we read the account from the disciple whom Jesus loved. And his account of four separate stories Let us go to John chapter 20 as we remember a different kind of great empty. John writes these words, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Just an aside here, i got to love that John, for, for, for all of the ages, recorded that he was the one who won the foot race between he and Peter. I like that he put that in there, just to, just to keep for 2,000 years and, and however long till Jesus returns to remind us who was the faster of the two. Verse 5, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their home. So the first picture we get in John chapter 20 is disciples who were perplexed. Peter and John were perplexed. They, they didn't understand this. They, they, they couldn't fathom. And the, arguably, these two men were the closest to Jesus. Even of the twelve, we see a lot of interactions where it's just Peter, James, and John. And these two men raced to the tomb. And John's very clear, I got there first. <laughs> but can you just imagine for a minute as they, they stoop inside and they look inside this dark, damp, tomb, barely lit as it's just the early morning hours, and they're looking around for a body. They're looking around for, for the last time that they saw the body of their Lord. And now he's gone. Only the, the cloths left there. What do you think they thought? What do you think they wondered? story's not done. John 20, starting in verse 11, goes on to tell us of a second character in the story. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to stoop to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, 
they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She said to her, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. The first picture is Peter and John who were perplexed. The second picture is of Mary in mourning. I want you to think for just a second about what she went there to do. As she went there to to see what happened, to maybe prepare the body, maybe to prepare herself, she was brought to this point where she watched her Savior die, and now she couldn't even mourn. She couldn't even get closure. Uh, here at the Northside family, we've had several deaths, people of our own family who have passed during this time of the worldwide pandemic. And oh, your heart goes out to those families, unable to even have a memorial, a gathering, a place, a time to, to weep and to, to have closure and to, to be hugged and to be loved and to, to be supported through that time. And if you're watching and, and you've experienced something like that, you know Mary's pain that she went to at the tomb. You see, when she saw an empty tomb, she didn't see hope. She saw despair. Well, what? I mean, she could barely come to terms with what had happened just three short days ago, but now she couldn't even mourn properly. She couldn't even tend to the body. She couldn't even, she couldn't even do that very simple thing to close that chapter. You can hear it in her voice. Where have you laid him? Can, can, can you tell me? I'll, I'll take care of him. Please. And Jesus, compassionate as he ever is, simply speaks to her, Mary. And she cries out to him, that word there, Rabboni, it doesn't just mean teacher. It's not like Bible class teacher. It's beloved teacher, honored teacher respected teacher, revered teacher, most beautiful teacher, Rabboni. See, in that moment, she couldn't understand how it had happened. She knew that the world, her world, had been interrupted and changed. Let's return to John chapter 20. Read the third story. On the evening of that day, this is Sunday evening, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, you and I come on Sunday morning, 
especially Easter Sunday, most normal circumstances, there's a, a spirit of exultation, of joy, of, of remembrance uh, that Jesus has conquered the tomb. And even though that that had happened, even though that had been revealed to, at least at this point, Peter and, and John and Mary, there was still a whole lot of fear in the disciples' world. The disciples were afraid. The doors were locked. They were afraid of what might happen to the followers of Jesus. And Jesus came and stood among them. Locked doors didn't stop the Lord. And he said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And I think that's probably the understatement of the year. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So we have Peter and John who are perplexed. Mary who's in mourning. And we have the disciples who are in despair. Can you go there for just a minute? Can you imagine being locked in? Oh, you you probably can. (laughs) Can you imagine being afraid? Oh, well, yeah, you you probably can. Can you imagine not knowing what's going to happen next? Yeah, you, you probably can. And in that moment, Jesus breaks down the barriers and pronounces to them, peace be with you. This morning, if you're watching and You're going stir-crazy. You're fearful. You know people who had the virus. Maybe know someone who's passed from the virus. You're afraid. The doors to your home are locked. The doors to your heart are barricaded. I hope that you will let Jesus break down those barricades, bust through the doors, and give you peace. Resurrection gives us peace in the midst of chaos, peace in times of fear, peace in times of unknowing. But there's one more story, and John tells it this way. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, can you get this picture? They're back again. The disciples have tried to explain it to Thomas. Jesus comes in a second time. And as he comes into the, with them and he tells them peace, he kind of singles out Thomas. Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thomas sort of gets a bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas was a realist. 
Thomas was skeptical. I mean, honestly, wouldn't you be? I mean, up to, up to that point, at least biblically speaking, we only know a couple of people who were raised, who were dead and raised. It didn't happen very much. Even in today's world, it doesn't happen. Imagine hearing the news from, from these jubilant but almost frantic women. He's here, he's here, I saw him, I saw him, I saw Jesus. And Peter and John, he was there. He, John's like, I got there first and I saw it, I know it. How would you react? What? Yeah. Guys, I mean, I don't mean to rain on the parade here, but... But you were there. I was there three days ago. We saw him on the Roman cross. We heard him cry out, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani. We, we watched him as they pierced his side. We saw him hanging, dead and lifeless. I wasn't the only one there. You were there and you were there. We saw it. Why are we in this room? Why are the doors locked? Come on, come to your senses. Try not to be on, as hard on Thomas. I, I think I would have been more like Thomas because of the things that he had seen. Yeah, yeah, I, Mary, I know you think you saw Jesus. I'd like to see Jesus too. I'm sure you saw somebody that looked like him, but, but it couldn't have been Jesus. It was, it was probably the gardener. It, it was maybe perhaps one of his brothers. Hey, I, there's just no way. Peter, John, I mean, come on. Come on, guys, it's time to get back to reality here. What I love about this interaction is that Jesus is so merciful and so patient with Thomas. Maybe some of you have been hit by reality. And you're, you're beginning to wonder, you know, if, if there really is hope. Maybe you're skeptical like Thomas. And I hope Jesus can come into your life and give you proof and give you peace. And this is exactly what Jesus does. And, and when he does that, as, as Thomas sticks his hand into his side and, and looks at the holy hand of God, what is his reaction? I love it. My Lord. My God. These four separate stories remind us of something as we think about the resurrection. You see, each of those people had a different emotion, a different feeling, a different place, a different position in the story. That position, that place didn't change. What did change was when Jesus entered the picture Change their perspective. You see, the same is true for us on this Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the risen Lord. I can't say that our circumstances today or tomorrow or the next week or then the coming weeks will change very much. Maybe they won't. But resurrection does not change our position. Resurrection changes our perspective. You see, when we understand that death has been conquered, that the sting has been removed, 
that the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and viruses may come, pandemics may come, the world may come to a grinding halt, may be vastly emptied, but our hope doesn't change. You see, because our hope is greater Our hope in in the one that we hope in is greater. He conquered death. You see, followers of Jesus are never promised a life of ease and comfort. No, no. They are told, in fact, that they may face some hardships. They may face some trials. They may face some difficulties. The brother of Jesus, James, says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because these are working to strengthen your faith. But when we go through hard times, resurrection gives us an eternal perspective. What's the worst that's going to happen? We might die. And then what? For those who are in Jesus, victory. Victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He sought me, he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. It's in that moment when you were buried with Christ in baptism, that moment when you were plunged to victory, you were put into Christ, and not only in Christ, but in the hope of the resurrection. Romans chapter 6 says, if we have been buried in this way, if we have been, let's read Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Look what he says. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. The resurrection isn't just about the story of Jesus. It starts there. I love what someone said, that Jesus was on the cross. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It, the curse of the law, it, condemnation, it, all of the sins that counted against us, it, the legal indebtedness that we owed God, all of it was written to tell us stop, paid in full. It is finished. Jesus said, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. No, Jesus, no, Jesus, he was just getting started. And we, in Christ, have that same hope. We're not finished. (laughs) His church is just getting started. Oh, 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 I know you think, well, uh, the, the, the buildings are... Churches are closed. No, no, no. Churches are not closed. Buildings are closed. The church marches bravely forward. I've seen more of the church in the past several weeks than I've seen in a long time. God has given us in these obstacles so many opportunities to shine the light of Jesus, to share the hope that we have, the resurrection hope that we have. May we not forget. May we let resurrection face our perspective. I want to look at one more verse, and it is a testament from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
verses 53. He says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. But when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass what is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of the of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Resurrection may not change our position, but it absolutely changes our perspective. This is what Paul knew. And you think, well, that's eh, easy for that was the Apostle Paul, right? Uh, look at this. Look at the, the look, look, go to Second Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at one other thing that Paul wrote. Even though we go through hardship, we do so with hope. Paul wrote this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You know, maybe you've heard people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I know people mean well who say that, but that's not what Scripture says. The Scripture that they're misquoting is that God will never let you be tempted beyond what you're able to stand. Now, now, there were people who were given more than they could handle. Paul says it right there, 2 Corinthians 1. Indeed, (laughs) we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul was saying, I, there's, I'd rather die. I mean, he was at a very low point. He was, he was imprisoned, he was flogged, he was beaten, he was rejected, he was stoned. Paul went through so many things. And so when somebody tells you that God will never give you more than you can handle, smile and nod, but understand the truth of Scripture. Sometimes God will give you more than you can handle. Maybe we're here. Maybe you feel like this is more than you can handle. But God will never give you more than he can handle. And we not forget that. That's what Paul goes on to say. And indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that, underline, highlight this, that was to make us rely on ourselves, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see what Paul's saying there? I've got more than I can handle. God's given me way more than I can handle. But that's a good thing. Because then when I can't handle it, I only have one other option. To give it to the one who can. To give it to the God who raises the dead. To give it to the God who doesn't see death as an obstacle but merely a springboard to better things. That's the God that we serve. It may be Friday in your life. Maybe Friday in our world. Maybe we feel like, uh, when is it ever going to go back to normal? When is it ever hope going to come? May we not forget, especially today in the world that we live in, that though today may seem like Friday, Though today we may share in the the despair of the disciples, 
the fear that they had, the, the mourning, the sadness of Mary, the, the skepticism of Thomas, may we not forget the hope of the resurrection. That we serve a God who raises the dead. Well, it may seem like Friday, Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's is sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like Sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming.
May we hold on to the hope of the resurrection. It wasn't just a story for that day. It's a story for today. It's a reminder that our hope hasn't ended, will not stop, will not end, until that great and glorious day when Jesus returns. May you all watching from wherever you're watching, Wichita, Kansas, around the country or around the world, may you hold on to the hope that Sunday's coming. The last part of the story is this. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs and miraculous works in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe. May we not forget the hope that we have in Jesus is the hope of the empty tomb. And though we may live in a world that's focused on Friday, may we look ahead to the Sunday, the someday, when the sun rises eternally and those who are in Christ realize the hope eternally of resurrection. And if you don't know that hope, Romans chapter 6 instructs us how. How to come into Christ, how to be in Christ, how to be united with Christ, and have the hope of resurrection. And if you don't have that hope and you're not in Christ, I hope you'll reach out to the church and we'll find a way to get you buried with Christ so that you may be raised with Christ. God bless you on this Resurrection Sunday. May you not forget, Sunday's coming.